Hello and welcome to the Church Society podcast. I'm Ros Clark. I'm the Associate Director of Church Society and I'm your host here on these podcasts. This week, it's uh, my pleasure to be talking to Mark Lloyd. Mark, you are Rector uh, of what I always want to call Trumpton Chigley and Camberwell Green, Camberwick Green. Uh, tell us where you're actually yes, Rector I, of. I do know. It's um, Warbleton. Bowlesuit Green and Dallington, which are three um, villages in East Sussex. Okay, and um, we are in one of those, well, we're not in one of those villages. We are in that part of East Sussex at the moment. It's basically a lot of rolling hills and very beautiful fields and an occasional pub. Yes. And and houses sprinkled fairly widespread yes uh, it's very lovely i think the whole population of the benefit is about 1800 um they, they don't really have much in common except me yes it's basically sort of farms around and there's still some commercial farming goes on around here okay and i mean the names of those places warbleton bodle street green darlington those are where the churches are. Yes. I mean, you don't live in any of those no, places. No, so I live in the parish of Warbleton in the village of Rushlake Green. I, I think um, there might, maybe the village moved from Warbleton to Rushlake Green. People sometimes say that. I think maybe during the plague, did they sometimes try and yes. cross two lots of water or something for, you know, to prevent contagion? So I think... Rushlake Green might fit that bill. So when we first came here, Warbleton is the larger church and we um we sat naved our way here and you get to Warbleton and it's literally just, you know, the pub and three houses and we thought, well, this and, is the large the church. church. Yeah. <laughs> so what are the other villages like? Yeah. So Yes, absolutely. It's and none of them are precisely what you would describe as thriving metropolises. No. Um and as you say, the the population of the whole uh, area is uh, less than 2000 that's right there's a small town about five minutes away but we're we're basically about half an hour from eastbourne half an hour from tunbridge wells okay great and one of the the smallest towns that you're relatively near is hailsham isn't it yeah so regular listeners to the podcast will remember we talked to david and kim Bourne from hailsham parish church uh, earlier in the year so that is not a million miles away no but i guess quite different in very different makeup yes and you know hailsham has its kind of social challenges and uh here it's very lovely you but you have to go to helsham for waitrose okay so you have to go there for your shopping for your posh shopping at least exactly um and so you mentioned there's still some farming around here what what do most of the the sort of residents here do are they commuters it's quite a hard commute from here so people do commute but it's not really prime commuter country quite a lot of retired people some weekend people you know um yeah a mix okay. of things really okay and quite a lot of people i mean i was just um at an event at Mark's church earlier this morning and quite a lot of people who who genuinely have lived here all their lives yes yes and often you know people might live on the parents farm or something you know quite a lot of people have got out of farming and now there are holiday lets and mm. things so there's a mix and how long do you know this how long has it been uh, a single benefice these three parishes when did they last have their own vicars oh i don't really know that um i've been here eight years and during that time dallington was added to the benefice and before that it was the larger of four other 
um, okay. churches. And Warbleton and Bowdle Street have been together for some time, uh, but I'm afraid I don't no, know. No, that's exactly fine. When. But it, okay, so for some time. And um, you can understand why if you're sitting in a diocesan office making decisions and thinking these are really quite small places. Mm. Is there, can we really justify having two clergy or three clergy for these three churches um, when there are parishes in more urban areas where there are 10,000 people? Yes. And I mean, I think there is a shortage of clergy, but I think it also comes down to a financial necessity that, you know, none of the churches on their own would pay the full parish ministry costs. Right. So just talk us, to us about, we talked about um, the size of the, the parishes in terms of population, but talk to us about the size of the, the churches that you're ministering in. Well, <laughs> you know, you'll have to take into account a bit of vicar inflation here. But, you know, on a good day, um, we might get 50 at Warbleton and, you know, 20 is a really good turnout at the others. But it's variable, can be much smaller obviously on high days it's a lot more but okay and is it the the kind of place where people on special occasions would make an extra effort do you get more at i don't know harvest yeah yeah some some there's it's it's really packed out at christmas and you know a, a lot of people regard it as their church even if they don't turn up that often and you know like everywhere i guess you know everybody's not there every week and you know yeah, they all they all turned up one sunday it'd be rather more but yes yeah. okay so that's that's the sort of uh size of churches we're dealing with so tell us what it's like having three churches they they operate as separate churches separate pccs that's separate right. church wardens um all of those those kind of things so effectively you're running three different churches yeah and you know, they would all like their own vicar, ideally. And they, they, as I say, they don't really have anything in common except for me. You know, seeing those things that you can do together that you can't do separately. Um, what and, sort of things do you try to do together? Well, we, we try to do all our sort of evangelistic things together. We try to do our away day together, which you've just been speaking at. But People are quite parochial, you know, they'd like it to be in their village. It's it's hard to get buy-in for joint things. And there's no kind of legal mechanism for Mm. making joint decisions. So, you know, if you're having, say, PCCs roughly every other month, you know, there could be quite a long lead-in from discuss something with the first PCC to discuss something with the last PCC. So I think that's one of the challenges. If you are going to agree things together, how are you going to agree it? Um, you know, we we only run one youth group, which is very small, but, you know, that really only has people from one of the parishes at the moment. Although, you know, we would we would brand lots of our things as joint, how much they really are is a bit debatable I think. Right and so you mentioned that the churches don't have a lot in common apart from you. They're they're from quite different um, sort of traditions within the church I think would be fair to say. I mean in country Anglicanism there's always a mix because you know you serve the whole village in a way that you don't necessarily in a, a gathered situation in a town you know so where i was before in eastbourne there are three conservative evangelical churches in the middle of town and you know so many Anglican churches you can choose your exact brand of 
church you know so it's always a bit more mixed in the country but the larger church here you know the leadership would think of itself as evangelical some would say conservative evangelical and i think the other churches you know probably think of themselves as more central maybe but Mm. i think there are all sorts of question marks about what those labels really mean to people sure so on a sunday morning the services that are happening in the different churches will be different you yeah but not not wildly different you know they're they're all fairly liturgical there are robes in most of them um yeah okay and so uh you'd preach the same sermon in all of them um to some extent um some of the people in Bodle Street have uh, heard that the Queen has said that sermon should be seven minutes long and they think that, you know, if it's good enough for Her Majesty, then it's good enough for them. So I, in in um, Dallington and um, Bodle Street, where there's maybe less of a sort of evangelical sense, I would sometimes be a bit shorter and I would sometimes adapt the um, application maybe to the demographic or to the sort of christian background of Mm. people so so there's some adapting but basically it's the same okay and just um we've talked about the parish size in terms of numbers of people talk to us in terms of just distance how far apart are your churches from each other (laughs) i'm not really sure um but it takes i suppose 10 minutes to drive between them something like that you've got to account for the horses and the cyclists and the tractors and yeah uh, so it may be a little bit variable so it's not a huge distance no and not huge amounts of time but nonetheless if you're trying to get around multiple churches it's different from having say two morning services in the same church building yeah you might have in a larger church yeah really different so i'd sort of turn up maybe already dressed up but with you know a whole load of clobber and then you've got to locate all the different books and everything so there's quite a lot of sort of faffing around and setting up and arriving and saying hello to everybody you know when you get to the second one whereas you know in an ideal world you might be there you know what half an hour before it starts you know obviously you can't do that if you're gonna you know have a decent length service at the first one and have coffee with people afterwards you know that that's one of the, mm. the costs and is that the pattern do you do you have service in all three places every sunday every church has a service every sunday but i don't do them so normally only once a month do i do three these days so um bodle street's always nine thirty. warbleton it's always 11 dallington i'm afraid you have to consult the chart um and sometimes it's even song there um, but there is a reader who performs once a month at um, Warbleton and various other arrangements. So. OK, OK, because you're the only uh, close person, the only staff yes. member. Yes. So everything else is sort of dependent on, as you say, lay readers or uh, yeah. other people in the area exactly. who, who you can get yes. to come and help out and with I, different I, things. One of the most striking things is, you know, you maybe do your curacy in a larger town centre church with a staff team you know now I can give myself photocopying to do and that sort of thing yes <laughs> yes if it needs doing you you end up having to be the one yeah. doing it and just talk to us about what that workload is like in a sense you're you're in charge of everything so you get to decide how much stuff happens or or doesn't yes. happen 
but also the thing there must be things therefore that inevitably you have to do three times over yes i mean two of the churches don't have lots of regular stuff midweek so in that sense it's not that busy um but a lot of it does come down to me obviously you're preaching your sermon three times sometimes i think oh this is getting quite good by the third (laughs) version but you know again you there's a danger of boring yourself by the third time you know um because i've heard all this before uh, yeah yeah quite um one year i think i did um some kind of harvest thing six times if some places have you know, monthly PCCs, don't they? If you did that at all three, you'd be constantly doing agenda, revise the minutes, have the PCC meeting. Um, Yeah, so you have to be a bit realistic about how much of that stuff you actually need to do every time for every church. Yes, I, I think, I mean, and obviously, you know, we are in a relatively privileged situation to only have three churches. You know, some multi parish benefices are you know five seven sixteen maybe with a team um yes i think we have one which um uh i can't remember what it what we call it now but the the clergy killer i think which is 22 yeah and and i can't even begin to imagine how you get your head around that on the other hand though i think three is a slightly tricky number because two would be perfectly doable if you've got seven it's obvious that it's impossible but three you still can't be there at 10 o'clock every sunday but people kind of expect you to be you know yes and it's that i mean we were talking earlier that seems to me one of the tricky things is those expectations that people have if at each church they're thinking well that's our vicar Mm. how much awareness they have of what you are doing elsewhere and how much availability they can reasonably expect i'm very busy in the other parishes (laughs) it goes down very well but i think um, i i think it's true that people don't often know you know what you're doing or what's going on i mean that that's can be true in a single parish situation can't it but it's yes. amplified here but the, the kind of independence of the churches came home to me one day when um one of the keenest people in one of the churches i was chatting to and i said something about you know oh well it's been in the parish magazine and he said oh yes but that's the Bodle Street section, so that's not my parish. So I never read that bit, Gosh. which is interesting. Yeah, so it's a so it's one a, parish magazine, but even though people only read the bits for their some, it seems. <laughs> now I was surprised, but yeah. Yes, gosh, and so I mean, it does seem as though multi-parish benefices are becoming more common. The Church of England are very keen uh, for both financial reasons and as we talked about numbers of clergy. Well, although, you know, the whole anecdote to evidence thing has yeah. stirred that up a bit. I mean, it, it's controversial, isn't it? But anecdote to evidence said that it's correlated with decline to, you know, expand the benefice. Yes. Um, Yes, absolutely. Perhaps it's not surprising. <laughs> well, I mean, that there does seem to be a thing, doesn't it? There was some recent statistics um, uh, on Ian Paul's blog, which I thought were fascinating. They said basically the single biggest factor in church growth is number of clergy, number of stipendiary mm. clergy. Mm. And actually, the thinner you are spreading your clergy, unsurprisingly, the less effective mm. their ministry is is being. But 
the reality is a lot of dioceses are trying to cut costs. Yeah. Struggling yeah. financially, particularly in yeah. many of these very small rural yeah. churches. Well, it's the e- it's the easiest way to save money, isn't it? Because it's it's very hard to close down a church yes. if there are some people going to it, and then there's the building, which you know probably is not going to be sold off for multi million pound redevelopment in these contexts. So, no. Yes, I'm um, not sure what other strategy there is for. No, I think that's right. And given that that is the reality, um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, it it is sort of what it is. More and more clergy, I think, are going to have to be willing to look at jobs and take jobs in places where there will be more than one church. What advice would you have for somebody who is looking at, at those kind of jobs? Are there particular things to look for or to want to avoid or particular things you'd say just be aware of? I don't know, really. Everywhere has got its pros and cons and challenges, hasn't it? I think that how are you going to run the PCCs and what are you going to do together that adds value? Are you going to have some mechanism for joint decision making, even if it's only informal? So, you know, will you have joint church wardens meetings, for example, and how often? We haven't really done that but i think it might have been beneficial too mm. you know if, if you're going to do formal mission action planning to what extent might you do that together um what about if you're making uh, decisions for example about employing other staff um i know you had a mission here a few years ago is that something that was between all the parishes yeah we have we have done those things jointly but as i say there's a challenge about how much buy-in and cooperation you really get i mean we're we're in the situation where one of the churches is larger and so it doesn't always feel like an equal partnership to everybody and you know the the smaller churches can think are we really getting a fair crack of the whip here and the larger church can think well we're paying 60 percent, so you know um i haven't wanted to get into you know how much time do you spend on each parish no i think think, that could end up um, uh being yes uh, a very unwise thing to do but it is often the case in these situations that one of the churches will be bigger than than the others and um not even just in uh places like yours where there's where there's several but actually often you get the situation don't you where there's one quite reasonable sized church and one very small yes yeah and and again is are you giving disproportionate amount of time to the very tiny one but actually you know you're still their vicar too mm. and and i think that there's a lot of um negotiation and it's such a dynamic situation from week to week you know an issue can flare up somewhere or there's you know there's a pastoral situation or you can have a series of funerals so it's so it's so sort of shifting mm. um, and sort of if you were uh so a number of years ago, uh, my PCC, we had a, an away day with the wonderful John Truscott helping us to formulate a vision. And he asked a question, which I, I thought was brilliant. He said, if you were to move to Australia for 10 years, so you didn't have to do any of this <laughs> or go through any of the, the sort of stress and relational angst of it all what would you love to come back and find had happened in the church in that time and i wonder if you think about 
the situation uh, here and particularly just thinking about how the churches relate to each other, what sort of ideal staffing there would be, what what sort of provision you would like. What would be the sort of dream for how a multi-parish benefice could work? Mm. I'm not sure how much of it is um, multi-parish specific, really. (laughs) You know, I think one of the things is to sort of think about, well, where is small, beautiful, you know, where can... Yeah, there there are advantages to not having three hundred people. <laughs> Although you know it would be lovely if revival broke out, that you can know people better um, and things like that. I th- one of the sort of problems is, well, it's not necessarily a glitzy show on the Sunday morning where you know maybe most people are older. Um, Maybe the the choir is small, the organist is not in the first flush of youth, for example. You know, to, to what extent will people invite their friends to this? Although I think um, people's expectations in the countryside vary a bit too. You know, sometimes people are used to belonging to a small community and and doing things themselves actually yeah. and and it being just this is how things are because that's what we do yeah i mean I, I think something that would make a huge difference in our situation is um more authorized lay ministry you know certainly in one of the churches there are a number of people who would be perfectly capable of preaching a sermon but are not trained readers so that's tricky so and is a um a reason why they are not i mean could they go forward well, for training reader or is training the... is pretty onerous okay you know you, you pretty much have to sort of almost get a degree kind of thing and you know if you're already yeah 65 70 yes you, might you not, may not yeah. feel, feel um, you I, want to do that i yes. would i would say that you know perhaps with some input and oversight from the vicar those people would preach excellent sermons Mm. on an ad hoc basis but you know so that that's um one of the challenges it'd be great you know there's quite a lot of youth and children's work going on it it would be really helpful to have a paid youth and children's worker um but it's not obvious that there are the resources for that um yeah 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 okay so there's things that would change and, and develop but actually um churches have to be well they have to serve their community and they ought to be representative of their community and so if what your community is 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 as you say quite small and quite rural and it's not surprising that your churches look like that rather than looking like no glamorous what yeah. we might think of as glamorous yeah. city churches. so you've got to kind of recalibrate your expectations to you know what does success look like in this context and so on i think um if you were starting with a blank sheet of paper you probably wouldn't start from here because you know in one of my parishes um virtually everyone who lives in the parish could sit in the parish church and you're unlikely to need that very often and you know the the grade two star listed building with a 14th century tower is a a burden for the 20 people who come for the 200 people who live in the village um 
obviously it's tricky that there's no loo the kitchen's mm. a bit inadequate mm. you know so th- these things are sometimes difficult i i have a a sort of a rule of thumb that i if i were in charge of these things might be tempted to apply which is i sort of think if somebody is in the position where they have to get in the car to do their normal weekly shop yeah they can get in their car to go to church yeah, yeah. And if that were the case, if that sort of rule were applied, I mean, you'd all be going to church in Heathfield, I guess. That's where Waitrose is. But yes. you certainly would all be going to one church. You wouldn't yes. be saying we cannot no. go 10 minutes down no. the road. I mean, very, yeah. Yeah, lot, you know, not that many people walk to church or could walk to church. And um, you would be really stuck around here without a car. So, and, you know, people will go to London to the theatre or opera or art gallery so it's, so it's it's much more of a mindset, isn't it, that says this is our church and this is whatever, rather than, you know, I just think in an office it's easy to look at this and think, well, why aren't they just all meeting in one church? Yeah. You have a big enough building for yeah. that which has got yeah. toilets and facilities yeah. and yeah. so on. Why yeah. are we persisting with yeah. churches I mean, that, for each of these yeah, places? Yeah, that question is way above my pay grade. I realise. Um, obviously there is a question about, you know, what, what would you do with the church buildings? I I don't think you'd invent this. I mean, you, you might have a home group in the village, say, you know, um, or even some kind of missional community, which Gosh. might have a sort of authorised lay leader or something in, there that, you go. in that community. But mm. um, this yeah. is where we're at. Yeah. And we have to, to work with the system as, as it is. Yes, I, I do think it's a, a difficult option i think it's easy to think what i really want is you know sort of one nice medium sort of size church that i can just get on and do stuff with but i think the reality is that increasingly evangelicals are going to need to look for jobs in these sorts of places as well Mm -hmm. and it's exciting to think that god can be turning around some of these churches bringing the gospel into some of these places even one might say uh, we could be praying that God will bring revival in some of these places. And it seems to me, certainly a few years ago, there was a very fashionable sort of thing, which was, you know, we must pray for the city. We must mm-hmm. seek the good yeah. of the city. Yeah. But but I think God does care about uh, the country as well. Sure. And people who I mean, live in these sort of places. There's been some pushback on this in the States, hasn't there? You sometimes see articles online about the importance of rural or, you know, uh, 50% of people live in rural situations or whatever. But it turns out that when they're talking about rural towns, they really mean populations of thousands. Yes. <laughs> you know, so there are all sorts of questions about what what is rural. I think there is a sort of official definition of rural in the UK around um, population density and so on. But I'm pretty sure you, you would lot, meet that yeah, definition. Lots of, lots of small towns would therefore yeah. count as rural too um yeah, yeah absolutely great um is there anything else that we haven't talked about that would be helpful just to mention about what are the particular challenges or opportunities i think if an evangelical were to go into um a sort of rural situation i think some understanding of the churchmanship and the sort of catering for everybody you know what to what extent am I going to choose my battles and be flexible about things? And people have know. long memories yeah, in the country, yeah, I think, don't they? Yeah. How how much will I make an issue about 
you know, what I wear or the language that is used about the Lord's table or, you know, if if people talk about priests, for example, you know, how how comfortable am I with that and all that sort of thing, you know. Um, Yes. And a a willingness to recognise that um, those things may be very precious and dear to some people, but don't necessarily mean that they're not loving the Lord. No. And and so on. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of relational build work and being yes. willing to engage with people. Yes. Because they I... don't move on like they might do in a city every no. couple of years. Do no, they? no, there's not so much of that. And I, I think people will be quite forgiving if you're, you know, friendly and they like you. Um, Good. You know, a sense of humour, I think, is probably quite important and you know maybe an ability to laugh at yourself at times too excellent good um well we um hope that some of you listening to that may be uh thinking about whether god could be calling you to this sort of place this sort of uh very rural ministry but also uh that kind of serving in a place where you've got multiple churches and and how to deal with that so thank you uh for talking to us about that mark well thank you i hope something of that was helpful That was the Church Society podcast. If you have any comments or feedback uh, on what you've listened to, please do get in touch with us. You can tweet us at Church Society. You can comment on our Facebook page or you can always email me, ros at churchsociety.org. Do tune in again next time.